Magna Carta Bill of Rights The Constitution, what's it worth? You know they're gonna grind us down uh, Until it really hurts All right, good friends. Welcome to another episode of Stand and Deliver, episode number 58 as we move on into year number two, Citizens for Free Speech, our official podcast. Thanks for being with us. I am the National Communications Director for CFFS, Bob France, and I'm with... I'm the Founder and Director, Patrick Wood. And we're with you every week. Every Friday, we bring you a new update on what's going on in the battle to protect. And we literally call ourselves defenders of free speech. Every single member of CFFS is a free speech defender. And that is our job. We look for all of the places where it is under attack and we rise up in defense of it because it's the only way we actually protect and and, uh, defend this entire capitalist republic. Right, Pat? That's exactly right. And the 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 beat goes on that's all you can say the beat goes on and you know every week there's something else something more and the attacks are getting more and more egregious and of course our signature training program the citizen ninja way is designed to help people our our people in particular to be effective in the civic arena to to discuss to persuade to throw some of this stuff out the door uh that's plagued our communities now for gosh 20 30 years and it's time Americans took a stand, <laughs> stand and deliver. It's time they took a stand and root this thing out, root this stuff out of their local communities. It is possible. And uh, and believe it or not, people are doing it around the world. Our podcast last week that I did with, uh, with a gentleman from uh, California, of all places, a coastal city, Huntington Beach, they have taken over the city council there, conservatives have. They've taken it over and they've thrown, they've started to throw out all these crazy policies that have been plaguing their city for the last 20 years. And it's a beautiful thing in California yet. Can you imagine that a coastal city in California? Well, listen, if they can do it, anybody can do it. It just shows that I'm so glad you brought that up. It just shows we're not spinning our wheels here. No, we're working very hard and we're working very effectively and our trained, um, members and volunteers at CFFS are making differences in local communities. And you're right. If you can do that in a coastal community in California, people can make a difference in their local communities all across this country. So we're, yes. we're, we're, we're really, really, you know, encouraging you to be active in this locally active. And that's a big, big part of what we do. So before we get into our first story, just tell, here's how you can be a part of what Pat's talking about. Uh, just go to citizensforfreespeech.org. It's all spelled out, no shorthand. Citizensforfreespeech.org. And um, become a member. We would love to have you be a member and then a volunteer. You can take some of our training and be a leader in the local activist realm uh, in your community so that we can protect and preserve free speech. It doesn't start in Washington. It starts in your backyard, in your town, in your community, in your county, in your state, and then it goes up from there. But it's got to start on the local level, and that's what uh, this is all about. So we hope you'll join us. Okay, Pat, speaking of the local level, we're going to start with um, a story here that is local to me because I'm uh, Northeast Ohio-based. For those who don't know, Patrick is out in Arizona. That's the home of CFFS, the the corporate home, if you want to call it that. Um, But I'm in Northeast Ohio, and there's a little town called Wadsworth, in, uh, for those who don't know it, and it's a very, very, you know, it's a small, typically 
more conservative values type of town. It's just very quaint and very uh, peaceful, and there's not really too much drama going on there at any at any given time. Well, there's about to be drama because somebody wanted to create drama, and this individual has decided. Now he calls himself a quote unquote rock and roll humanist, and he wanted to have in a local establishment in Wadsworth a brewery. He wanted to have an event. It was going to be one of these drag queen story hours, followed by a kind of a drag rock performance um, from a, from a drag queen. Needless to say, this little kind of conservative values town said, "Wait, what?" Uh, people all over Northeast Ohio said, "What?" And once they saw what this was, and and it wasn't just a typical drag queen, by the way. This particular drag queen was known as the drag queen of the macabre. There was like a an almost satanic type of quality to the performance that this individual did. Well, needless to say, they made the um, establishment that was going to host this event know their feelings on it. The establishment said, we're out because they don't want to lose all their business. No other establishments would host it for the same reasons. So the creator of this drag story hour type thing said, then I'll go to the park the city park. Now to go to the city park, you need a permit. So for the last three weeks, there's been a big battle as discussions were held in city council. And of course, in the mayor's office, safety director's office, will they grant a permit to this particular individual to have this event? which brings us current to why we're talking about this now. City Council had nothing to do with it, by the way. I talked to the City Council President. He opposes not only this event, but wants to draft a city ordinance to prevent this kind of thing from ever happening. But the mayor has issued a statement, Pat, and I'm going to read a portion of it. The city takes great pride on making our hometown a safe, welcoming community. The city has listened to your opinions and concerns regarding this proposed event. Like many, the city does not condone the behavior of the organizer. The organizer, by the way, went into the city council meeting to make his case and was profane and attacking and insulting and everything you can imagine from somebody who's trying to promote one of these things. We condemn the negativity and rhetoric that the discussion surrounding the event has caused. After much discussion and legal review, we have no choice, she says, but to let the event take place at the Memorial Park Pavilion, March 11, 2023. The decision may be difficult for many in our community. However, please understand that as a local government, our elected officials have taken an oath to follow all relevant federal, state, and local laws. We take that oath seriously and can't break laws regardless of our personal opinions on a topic. This is where it comes in, Pat. Legal counsel advises, advises the law is clear on the issue and states peaceful assemblies and protests are First Amendment freedoms and are at the core of our nation's constitutional values. It would not be good leadership to knowingly take action that goes against our Constitution and creates legal issues for the city. So Patrick Wood founder and CEO and leader of uh, executive director, I guess is what I should say. It's not a CEO or a 501c3 nonprofit. Executive director of Citizens for Free Speech. The mayor is allowing this thing to go on, divisive as it is, and potentially volatile, as there are going to be protesters and counter-protesters at this event, guaranteed. They say they have to do this because of the First Amendment. Now, you are a champion of the First Amendment. Is the mayor right? <laughs> I want to quit. <laughs> uh, I bet the mayor was probably thinking the same thing. She's a four-term mayor in a conservative town who probably doesn't want yes. this to happen either. Yes. Yes. But she said yes. legal counsel advises yes. this based yes. on constitutional protections. Yes. 
I'll tell you, the, the question is, will they do anything that's, that's just really Ill, flat out illegal? Um, it may be indecent. Uh, the audience that's there may uh, make a difference. Of course, if they did this in a, you know, in a private institution, like in a bar or something like that, you can limit who goes in. You know, you're not going to let uh, six-year-old kids or, you know, whatever, young children go into a bar to hear something like this. And so parents can protect, but it's in a park, it's in a public place. It's going to be really difficult to, to screen out you know, who gets to go and see, because anybody can walk in a park and say, oh, let's, I think I'll well, go and, and, it, it, and, and it's not as though people, um, yes. you know, minors would be just mm -hmm. happening upon it. It's being marketed and advertised yes. and promoted yes. to minors. This is a drag time story hour yeah. aimed at children, yeah. which of course yes. is part of the reason for the objection. Yes. And I will, you know, I will say this. <clears throat> we talked about this before. <clears throat> if a person was found let's just say even in a public place if one person if one man a drag queen was spotted with a say a 10 year old child and they're reading a pornographic story essentially to that 10 year old child they would be arrested on the spot for child molestation they would i mean there's laws against that if they were perceived to be grooming that child or to be trying to entice that child into some type of activity they would be busted on the spot. Somehow these people that are doing this think that doing it in mass in a public venue, you know, where there's lots of people, everybody's invited. Somehow it's okay that, that, you know, the single issue, okay, we're not doing it like that. We're, you know, we're getting them all at the same time. I think there's a legal press, a legal issue here on overall is any decency law being broken. And if it is, of course it needs to be prevented. Um, and I don't know, I don't have the legal background really to, to judge whether that's the case in this instance, but that's my, that's my gut reaction. If you couldn't do it in private, you sure as heck can't do it in public. Well, they tried to do it in private, like I said, and it was a bar restaurant they were going to hold it in. And again, it was geared toward toward minors. Yeah. But of course, minors could come in for this special story hour event. They probably would just not have served alcohol during yes. that time. Yeah. But of course, like I said, the, the private establishments knew this was going to kill their businesses. So they they, they, they kicked it out. They said yeah. we're out, yeah. which is yeah. why they went to where they did. Now, here's here's an element to this. You know, there are laws in many communities about pandering obscenities to children. Oh, and yes. so what is the definition of obscenity? Yes. Now, according to what this organizer and most of the organizers of the drag queen story hour events that go on at libraries, they're not reading pornographic books or materials. They're reading children's books. Now, in this case, I think they're going to read an atheist book, something about humanists. Uh, and, and it's essentially the, you know, the, you know, it, 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 it mocks the, the concept of religion, faith and God and so forth. It's humanism, whatever. So it wasn't going to be pornographic. So it's not that, but it's the drag queen aspect and the performance mm -hmm. aspect that follows because the internet Patrick is filled with videos of these yeah. drag queens wearing, obviously they don't wear, they don't dress like Mrs. Doubtfire. No. They dress in in provocative clothing, yes. you know, almost lingerie style type things. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they grind, they shake, they twerk, they spread uh, their, their various body parts right in full view mm -hmm. of children as children take dollars up there to give them and tip them. This is what happens after these uh, story <laughs> hours, you know, with these performances. So if that is what this is about, I don't understand how this wouldn't be considered pandering obscenity, yeah. violating 
some yeah. sort of age appropriateness laws yes. um, that say children can't go to strip clubs. They can't go to cabaret performances. They can't go to burlesque shows. You have to be 18 and over for that. So if they want to parade these this this drag queen, this grown man in woman's clothing in front of the children to do these indecent things or, mm -hmm. you know, these sexualized dances and so on and so forth, I would have to think that the First Amendment, which you and I champion with CFFS, yes takes a back seat to the local yes. law that says we do, you know, you can't streak at a football game. That's free expression and it's free assembly in a public place. I'm assembling. You can't get five of us to streak. You're going to get arrested because it's considered to be obscene or inappropriate. Yes. The first amendment doesn't protect right. against, you know, obscene, intentional, obscene and, uh, uh, you know, inappropriate type of displays. Right. Isn't that, that's, that's the reality. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that, that, that's exactly my point. And you know, one, one thing the city council or the mayor could have done perhaps is saying, you know, the, 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 the law would say that this type of performance should not be allowed should not be seen by anybody under 18 and uh you have to make uh, provisions to make sure that there are n nobody else no nobody else under the age of 18 that are that go to the you know to that performance in the park and if they do you uh you'll be arrested <laughs> you know, you'll be in violation well here's here's how the, here's how the mayor addresses that in the letter that i was reading from we encourage you to remain away from the park if you do not plan to attend the events. In other words, don't protest. If you are a parent and are concerned about the protection of children, the best way to protect your children is to not take them to the event. This is a parental decision. So they're yeah. making it available to anybody under 18, even if it does get obscene because it's up to the parent to pull yeah. the kids away from it rather than the city. That's their argument. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how that actually comes out after the afterwards and what the parents do, what they say and so on. My inclination would be that the city should take a stronger stand. But, mm -hmm. you know, if they haven't, and so, oh, well. But other cities might take instruction from this because there will be more attempts in other cities to bring oh, yeah. these things out in the public and flaunt them. And Well, I've got know, a plan. Is... I've got a plan, Pat. <laughs> I'm going to put their little commitment to free speech and the First Amendment to the test here, because what I'm going to do is get a Wadsworth resident who will be willing to file for a permit just the way this guy did to have an event at the same park in the same pavilion, just like this guy is. Yep. And I'm going to announce that it's not drag queen story hour with a dancing performance of, uh, of, of, of perhaps sexual innuendo. It's going to be real queen story hour. And what it's going mm -hmm. to be is I'm going to have a real woman, not a pretend woman a real woman from a local strip club. We're going to pay them some money to come and read to kids and then dance for them suggestively in their G strings and in their, uh, in their uh, lingerie in the same mm -hmm. way that the pretend man will. Cause it's yeah. my suspicion that the city will deny that permit and say, you yeah. can't have a stripper stripping in a public pavilion in front of kids. And I'm going to say, well, wait a minute. You are letting a male who is pretending to be a female do a strip-style show in front of these children. You granted the permit. Why are you not granting mine? Because mine is a real woman as opposed to a pretend one. You see, the real yeah, woman would yeah. be criminal. The pretend woman would be inclusive and wonderful. Yes, Somebody yes, explain yes. that to me. I, well, we're going to put this to the test, and I'll let you know how it goes. Yes, bring it. Yep.
<laughs> that's really so, good. Yeah, that's that's the plan. We're going to see how, how dedicated they are to this uh, protection of uh, uh, free speech, mm-hmm. expression, and assembly. All right. Um, we did get a win, Patrick, this week. Yes. This is one that's been a long time coming. For those who don't know, the FCC commission uh, uh, nominee by Joe Biden, Gigi Sohn, has been, has been uh, embroiled in controversy for 16 yes. months now as her mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as her nomination has been stalled by a lot of people concerned about free speech. Pat, what happened? Well, uh, she was uh, demonized literally for ever since she was uh, nominated, and she couldn't take it anymore. That she was getting nowhere. Obviously, the the uh, the confirmation was not going to take place after you know trying and trying and trying, and she finally just threw up her hands and said, "I can't take it anymore," and she and she quit. She pulled out of the ra- pulled out of the nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is so good though because she would have tipped the F- FCC into a living uh, version of Hades, if you will, uh, would not have been good. And the FCC, uh, of course, the, that's the Federal Communications Commission. They monitor or are supposed to be monitoring and, and having policy inputs to all communication in America. That includes uh, everything from radio and you know TV and media and so on. And uh, having somebody like her, a master, a master or mistress, rather, of, uh, let be politically correct here, she's, <laughs> yeah. a mis- she's a mistress of censorship. And she openly called for censorship. She's just as radical as radical can be. She'd, she would gladly bury every conservative website in this country if she could do it. Uh, so it was really a good thing that she, that she finally got routed. And as, uh, as Senator Ted Cruz has said, now maybe, maybe, just maybe now we can find somebody that's really going to be balanced and nonpartisan to take that that board position on the FCC. There's just one open right now, and that's what she was being appointed to. Maybe we'll get and somebody And it's a 2-2 two, two board. It's a 2-2 two, two board yes. right now, essentially, right. in terms exactly. of conservative ideology versus, you know, censorship yeah. ideology. So she would have been, you know, the vote, the, the deciding vote in each one yes. of these cases, like you said, to censor conservative uh, sites right. and more. This is not a place for partisanship. This, that's not, that, that is just not the point of the FCC. It's supposed to be a, a nonpartisan uh, regulatory agency. That's why it's split, by the way, 2-2. Two, two. Right now, they're mm-hmm. looking for one more member, but uh, it, it is supposed to be, in fact, it's mandated that it's going to have a diverse membership. So the fact that she's gone is good. Uh, Biden gets another chance. Uh, let's just hope he doesn't, uh, you know, bring Yankowitz back into it again or something. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, don't don't go there again. I, I can't stand to hear her sing in public there. again. I know. Um, Senator Thune, by the way, John Thune in South Dakota said Biden talked early on in his administration about how he wanted to change the tone and become more bipartisan. Then he started sending out these shrill partisan nominees to key agencies. She would have been on the FCC, particularly with all the stuff they've got in front of them right now. She had lots of issues in the confirmation hearings that raised questions about her character, her judgment. So this was a long overdue outcome. And then the, 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 the follow-up to that is the worst thing he could do now is send somebody up that his that is his second worst pick. Uh, let's hope he doesn't do a Nina, like you're saying. Let's hope he goes back to perhaps considering what he thought about the first time. Get somebody who's a consensus person, who's credible and qualified and not going to be highly partisan when it comes to decisions on that uh, commission. Exactly right. Yep. So that's a good one. Okay, okay, Pat, uh, we've, we've got about 12 minutes left. Yep. Let me throw and this, this is out. A, this yep. is a big one. This is one yep. that is very personal to you, and uh, I, I can't wait to hear the rest of the story. We have a, have, have a CF, uh, CFFS member here in the Phoenix area who requested of me 
as director of Citizens for Free Speech to write a letter on, be, uh, on behalf of parents, or at least directed to parents, of a very well-known and actually fairly respected um, uh, college pre preparatory school here in the Phoenix area called Brophy, B-R-O-P-H-Y. Uh, it's a Jesuit school, a Catholic school, Jesuit, and uh, it's been around forever. I can remember it back in the 70s even. It was uh, very highly regarded back then. And it was a college preparatory school, which is different than just a regular high school. But this particular school has gone woke. And so the parents were upset because they're sponsoring, uh, Brophy is sponsoring this conference called uh, Human Dignity, Truth and Disinformation. And as I read through the issues and read the pay web page that they'd put out and stuff, I said, holy mackerel, these guys are brainwashing the children into thinking it's okay and desirable to censor something that they don't agree with and do it forcibly. That is, you know, they brought ASU in, for instance, with a computer department, they're working on AI to, you know, sort out how to throw people out of the ethosphere. And so Brophy is like, wow, this is great, man. We're going to, we're going to teach the kids, you know, that this is, uh, this is what it's all about. So they're having this giant uh, conference and some parents just said, look, wait a minute. No, 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 we're not going to do that. And I expect there's some other areas that they were upset uh, about as well. But anyway, they asked me to write a letter um, that they could send out to parents and, and hopefully the people in the school would read it as well. They're going to get a copy of it regardless. Um, <clears throat> well, it's got my name over it now. So I'm, I'm out, <laughs> I'm out in the public. Might say, Good for you. That's where you should be. <laughs> I know. So I wrote this letter. I want to, it's only a few paragraphs. I need to read it to our, to our listeners here. Um, I said an open letter to Brophy leadership, parents, donors, and students. Uh, and I hope all the students read this. But here's what I said. The 2023 Summit on Human Dignity, that is truth and information, uh, on the tab, the issue uh, on their website, states that uh, states on the Brophy website, quote, disinformation sows confusion and distrust diminishing people's faith and confidence in the institutions that are critical to a functioning, healthy democracy, such as government, news media, and science. Um, and of course, that's what I was objecting to. So I continued, this is thoroughly misguided. What causes distrust and division is lack of free speech and transparency. Hiding or censoring information is the root of the problem, not the expression of it. Students at Brophy, should be taught critical thinking skills on how to recognize propaganda and how to develop their own worldview, teaching them how to actively practice systemic discrimination against people and ideas they may not agree with is fundamentally wrong and un-American. It is also contrary to the principles contained in the First Amendment concerning freedom of worship, speech, the press, the right to assemble, and the right to protest government policies of actions. The founders of our nation believe that the rights contained in the First Amendment are unaidable, that is, given by God and not man. Therefore, these rights cannot be taken away by man. All people should be free to say what they want, uh, to say what they want, um, hear what they want to hear, believe what they want to believe. This has always been the American way and should remain so now. Sincerely, Patrick Greenwood, Director, Citizens for Free Speech, Mesa, Arizona. So we'll see what happens to this. Maybe nothing, but at least the parents are going to get some concept of what free speech is all about. That something that they can stand up and defend, hopefully can defend with some authority. You know, I'm so glad you uh, <clears throat> agreed to write that uh, because the, I, I, 
I don't know anybody in, in your state really beyond you and, and the wonderful um, Goldsteins and, 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 and Kimberly yes. and a few other people. But I have to believe that there are plenty of people in Mesa, Arizona, plenty of people. Is that where Brophy is, Mesa? Actually, it's in Phoenix. Phoenix. I'm sorry. You said Phoenix. My apologies. I know there are people who believe everything you just said but didn't know how to say it. I know there are people who want to argue, who want to say, whoa, 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 you cannot do this to our children. You cannot silence their voices. You cannot force them to, you know, compel them to speak in ways that they do not want. And you cannot teach them that it's good to silence people who disagree with them. But they don't know what to say. I, I, I feel like, Pat... When it comes to CFFS being, you know, a nation of, of defenders of the First Amendment, I feel like we have a lot more members out there that don't know how to be members. Yes. And that right. doesn't mean they don't know how to join. I, we'll tell you all the time. Go to Citizens. What I mean is they don't have the words. They need guidance. They just need a leader. And what you just did was help lead. You gave them, and hopefully they'll read it. And hopefully they'll have their students read it. And hopefully Mm -hmm. those individuals will make sure that the administrators, uh, the the leaders, I know this is a private school, a Jesuit school, so there's not a school board, but there may be a board of directors or whatever. They will be forced to read it because you have given these parents the voice or the language that they didn't have to make their voices heard. And ultimately, that's what our whole organization is about creating leaders. These are usually the ones that go through our training, learn how to be citizen ninjas. They're leaders who give the voice to people who don't know how to to make their own voices heard. And and right. it takes leadership at the smaller local levels right. in order to right. make that happen. So what you just did was you mm-hmm. led by example, and I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to have an impact. They're going to be parents who are probably paying, since this is a highly regarded oh, college yes. prep school, <laughs> yes. a lot of tuition dollars. Yes. Who yes. would be very dismayed to learn that their tuition dollars were being spent teaching their kids right. how to be, uh, you know, how to censor and silence people right. with whom they disagree. So I, right. I, I, I really feel like this is, this is a very important thing you've done here. I hope so. And one of the, one of the biggest things that occurred to me as I came through, you know, we've, everybody's been talking, well, at least the left has been talking about systemic racism, you know, that America suffers from systemic racism, which I say is absolute nonsense. From my personal experience, I know plenty of black people out here, many of whom I just, just absolutely cherish as friends are great people. There's no systemic racism in America other than what they want to make systemic, but they say we're the ones making a systemic racism. When it's the color of your skin, it's one thing. But when it's the ideas in your mind, it's something else. It gets a free pass. Okay, well, we, you know, we're, we're against racism over here when it comes to the color of your skin. But when it comes to the ideas in your head, oh, we're, we're just as at, we're going to discriminate like crazy. And what Brophy is doing is making this a systemic discrimination systemic because they're teaching it they're building it they're making they're building it into culture at the school that's systemic when somebody has been so brainwashed you know and so you know picked up on this idea that this is okay it becomes a natural part of the culture of their life and this is exactly the same type of systemic discrimination that we have over when it comes to the color of a person's skin it's just as wrong in my opinion it's just as wrong as racial discrimination is, yep. but they don't understand that. Obviously, they do not see it that way. I'm hoping that they get a clue here 
and that they begin to pick up on this, you know, that you can't see what's inside somebody's head all the time, what their ideas are in their head. But when they start speaking it, you find out pretty quickly. Yeah. And, um, we're, you know, this this whole thing, uh, you know, when you get right down to it, it is discrimination of the mind. Yep. Bad it news. is. It is that uh, um, to kind of build on that a little bit of a different way. The opposite of racism or discrimination based on skin color or something like that is what everybody likes to call diversity, welcoming all different colors, right? right. Or uh, different uh, people of different uh, ethnic backgrounds, uh, socioeconomic yes. backgrounds, or whatever. They want diversity. And, and what you are advocating for is diversity yes. of thought. That's right. And that's the one area that they don't want diversity in. They no. want it in color, in ethnicity, in sexual orientation, no. and on and on and on. In all of the different identity politics areas of intersectionality, the one place that diversity is not welcome is diversity of thought. If you think your own way and they don't like what you think and how you express that they want you silenced, they want you ostracized, they want no. you canceled. And that's the problem here. So it's 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 literally discrimination, as you say, of the mind. It's, it's discrimination against people based on thoughts and ideologies that don't go along with whatever the the mainstream is at the moment, whatever the prevailing narrative is, working toward a very specific mm -hmm. political agenda. If your thoughts don't coincide with or support that, then you can't be heard. You must be silenced. And that's what it sounds like Brophy is teaching their kids. And yes. sadly, you know, there are Jesuit and other private institutions mm -hmm. joining mm -hmm. public institutions all across this country, Patrick, who are doing the exact same thing. And, right. uh, and most people right. don't know how to combat it. Which, which is, again, where you come in with your letter there, and I hope other yeah. people would be willing to do mm -hmm. once they see it happening in their own private institutions or even their public schools. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have to make the comment, too. Brophy didn't come up with this on their own. It didn't just, it wasn't like spontaneous combustion or something. That's not the way it works. People from the outside came into Brophy and convinced them that this was a good thing. And I'm sure this happened over a period of time. It wasn't just like a one-time deal. But this is the way this stuff creeps in. Somebody comes in from the outside with a bright idea and they go around, for instance, they might have gone around to all the, of the Jesuit college prep schools in the country, uh, you know, over a period of years and introduced this thinking that, that, well, this is the way to do it. And they probably had some compelling reason to do it. Something like, well, you're going to get you're going to get sued if you don't do it our way, you know, this way or something gave him some reason to say, well, I guess you're right. You know, we maybe we really ought to do this and yada, yada. And they accepted it, they adopted it, and they brought it in. And like the frog in the boiling pot of water, you know, then the heat was turned up. And all of a sudden, they're kind of out on a limb on this stuff. Yep. This has happened in cities, in counties. It's happened in schools. It's happened in universities. Um, it, virtually every type of social institution you can think of, these people from the outside have brought these ideas in. They've sown them like seed in a field, except that they weren't good seed. They were weeds. <laughs> And well now said. The weeds are growing up. Great analogy. That's right. People don't like what they're saying. It's no wonder. But because it came from the outside in the first place, that means that outside influence can change a culture. Okay, that's important. If somebody else could change the culture for the for the worse, other people could come in and change the culture for the better. I think that's a. I think that's a lesson that's just obvious. I th well, it's a, it's, a, it's a lesson, and it's a noble goal. 
but it is a it is an uphill battle. It, it is. is a very, very different thing because of what you just said. First of all, I agree with you that Brophy and a lot of these schools don't come up with it on their own, but they are very, very open and receptive to it when someone brings it to them, which yes. means I think we're outnumbered in this. So that doesn't mean you can't get victories. That doesn't mean you can't push back and lead like you just said, because you can <clears throat> Yeah. But it is an uphill battle. If they yes. can, if they can, if they can, you know, sow these fields with these weed seeds, if you will, you know, we can, we can, you know, d- dig those up and plant, you know, uh, things that are going to be fruitful and prosperous. We can. Um, and, and one of the ways to do that is to get more farmers in the field. And those are the parents that you wrote that yes. letter for. They've got to go out there and do their part in this whole thing. Exactly. And that's what we, we're going to call for people, not just in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, but all across the country. If you're finding these yes. things in your schools, um, Patrick, can I offer a suggestion? Can you mm-hmm. make that public, your letter? Can I you can. put it on your website or something or social yeah. or anywhere so that maybe parents who want to share yeah. some of those ideas with the uh, board yes. members or directors or whomever at their own schools across this country but don't know how to speak as eloquently as you do, maybe they can use that as a model or even a straight copy sure. and replace the word brophy with whatever school they are. Maybe we can do yeah. that? I think that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I can do that. We let's can do that let them, sure. Let's let them take advantage yeah. of what yeah. you wrote yeah. there and use it for their benefit. So that's a big part so, of what we want to do. So in the meantime, everybody listening to this podcast, please, if you're not already a member of Citizens for Free Speech, please come and join with us. We need you. Uh, I can't say as much as, you know, we do need you. I, I wouldn't turn that around and say, well, you really need us. But listen, this is the this is an extension, existential fight for America right now. Because when we, when as and if we are silenced, and that's what they want to do, when they drown us out and silence us, you don't want to know what's going to happen on the other side of that. Because historically, there's nothing, there is no good outcome to, to a people group being silenced in any nation on earth. We need to keep free speech alive. We need to keep the, not just for the sake of free speech, we need to keep the lines of communication open between people, between groups of people, between organizations, et cetera. Without that communication, nobody knows what the heck is going on. And that that just spells trouble for, uh, I'm talking violent trouble for society if we lose the right to communicate and you know do all the things that contain in, in the First Amendment. It's existential to our nation. So please join with us. Get on board. Find out what you can do. Maybe you can do nothing. I mean, just come and, you know, be moral support for us. That's fine. But everybody has a part in this because this is our country, folks. We're the, we live here. I, forget the politicians. We live here. And as our uh, national director of training says, if you don't have a seat at the table in your town somewhere, you are what's on the menu for dinner. So let's get with it. Let's wrap this episode by cleaning up a little bit about what you just said when you said we need you. And I don't want to say that you need us, but you know what, Pat, you do mean to say that because the reality is we need each other. Yes, we do. We need each other. That's what this is about. Join us at citizensforfreespeech.org. Until next time on Stand Stand and Deliver, I'm Bob France. And I'm Patrick Wood. It's been a great time. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you.